What is up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Huddle. And I'm your host, Greg. Today's episode, we will be discussing the first week of the World Cup, Nas's new album, Nasir, and Jay-Z putting his foot into another sports venture once again. But let's start off with the World Cup. And let's start off with week one. Now, obviously, in week one, you have the big heavyweights going against teams that they should be beating. But I will say this. In week one, the storyline was the smaller teams played tactically smart to deny teams with superior players the quality chances that they needed to have to score. And when I mean smaller teams, basically I'm talking about the underdog. For all of you non-soccer fans out there, I'm going to try and show you some of that soccer, soccer vernacular as we conduct this episode. Now, in one of the first games that took place between Iceland and Argentina, in a shocking fashion, this game ended in a draw. And the reason why I say this is shocking is because you had 22, according to FIFA, 22-ranked Iceland playing number five Argentina. And to end in a 1-1 draw, shocking. One of the best players in the world, Lionel Messi. Man, this guy keeps coming up short with the national team. I mean, in 2014, in the last World Cup, they lost to Germany 1-0. And I mean, look, internationally, if you want to be considered one of the greats, all-time legends of your sport for your country, you have to come home with at least one World Cup trophy. Because until he does, Messi's going to be living in the shadow of Diego Maradona forever. Because Maradona still reigns king of Argentina. But look, I don't want to throw any dirt on Iceland. I mean, Iceland, they are a young, up-and-coming team with a lot of talent. They were playing against a team that had superior talent, but what they proved in this draw is, is that hard work and good organization can get you results, and it got them the result of a draw. Now, in the next match, I'd like to highlight, let's talk about Portugal and Spain. They, too, played to a draw, but this one was a lot more exciting. It was a 3-3 draw, so there was a lot of fireworks. You had Cristiano Ronaldo, a.k.a. CR7, a.k.a. arguably the best player in the world now playing soccer, put on a show against Spain. He scored three goals, a hat trick. For all of you non-soccer fans out there, I'm talking to you once again. Three goals, as in hockey, is a hat trick against Spain. And I mean, look, the first one, that was a penalty kick. He got tackled in the box. Okay. The second one, another situation like that. Okay. A gimme. But the third one, man, that was a set piece. And when I tell you he bent it around the the defender's head, it went from like 3 o'clock. I mean, it went from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. If you're looking at the clock, that's how he bent it. And you talking about bend it like Beckham? Nah, man. It's bend it like Ronaldo, yo. The way he played? Oh, my goodness, man. That He he never disappoints. He came and played massively in the game. And, uh, and you, you, I don't want to even knock Spain. Because, you know, Spain had a lot to deal with. Two days before the World Cup even commenced, they fired their head coach. Now, in NBA terms... That's like the Warriors firing their head coach before two days before the NBA Finals. Or like the Eagles firing their head coach a week before the Super Bowl. I mean, who 
does that right before the World Cup? But hey, man, Spain, they came out. They had a lead for a short period of time. But I mean, they played very well. And it doesn't look like the fact that they lost their manager is really going to hold them. I mean, their coach really going to hold them back. Now, in one of the ultimate shockers in terms of the disappointments of the tournament that have taken place thus far was Germany losing to Mexico in shocking fashion. Mexico defeats Germany 1-0 for the victory. And how did Mexico win this game? They won this match by consistently and persistently using a counterattack to their advantage. It just felt like whenever there was a turnover, a loose ball, or Mexico was able to push the ball, it felt like there was three Mexican players on maybe one or two German defenders. It was like that the whole game. I mean, Mexico, in reality, should have put up maybe two, if not three, possibly four goals. They got one, but still. As a defending champ in Germany, and they still had a lot of players from that World Cup team playing, shocker that they lost to Mexico. And in probably the last match that took place, and I don't want to say, was this a shock? Yeah, I'd say it was a shock, but it wasn't a bad shock. This was Brazil versus Switzerland. And, I, you know, I take that back. It's not a shock. They ended this match in a draw 1-1. But this, you know, in the first half, Brazil had a lot of missed opportunities on countless chances in the first half. They had the pace. They had the flow. They had possession. They were passing the ball. They just weren't scoring goals. That's the bottom line. They just didn't score on their chances that they had. And Neymar, another player that's considered one of the best players in the world, former teammate of Messi, he was a non-factor in this game, in my opinion. He didn't take over the match at all. He was letting the physical play of the Swiss players, pushing them, bumping them, you know, doing little things to agitate him, get in his head, get him off his game. He wasn't the great, talented player that he was, that he is. And the way that Switzerland scored, it was actually a piece, a, pl a set piece, a corner kick, but it was a play in which as the ball was in the air, the Swiss player pushes the Brazil defender in the back, creating enough space for him to get a header off right into the goal. Now, there is instant replay in the World Cup for the first time, and plays like that can be checked on instant replay, and it wasn't. I still think Brazil is asking why to this day that play wasn't looked at. I mean, it was clearly evident the guy extended his arms as the defender went flying and scored the goal. And not only did that happen for them to get the lead, I mean, not get the lead, to tie the match at 1-1, Gabriel Jesus, the young phenom for Brazil, was tackled in front of the goalie, and there was a no call. Where you get basically tripped, tackled, pushed to the ground in the goalie box, that is a penalty kick. And that is another call that can be reviewed and was not. I'll tell you this much. Brazil, the game has changed a lot in soccer in that similar to basketball, how it's the three-point shot and football, there's a lot more passing than there is, than there is running. Brazil is known for the Joga Bonito, the beautiful game. Dancing on the pitch, making the defender look foolish, doing what they want with the ball. Look, that is how our parents grew up watching Brazil. But now, tactically, 
the opponents defend so much better than they did in the past that dancing with the ball on the pitch is not going to win you games. You need to pass the ball, move without the ball, strike, and use your chances to your advantage. Joga Bonito, to all the Brazil fans out there, is dead. I'm sorry. Now, I'm not saying that Brazil is not a good team. I'm not saying they can't exhibit the Joga Bonito. But what I'm saying is no longer can it be used as your only way to play the game to win. Because pretty much, compared to, you're watching a basketball game, right? And you got five guys, crossover, dribble, behind the back, passes, no looks, alley-oops, and all that. But sometimes they win, and sometimes they lose. See, that's Joga Bonito. But you see, you got another team, which the way everybody's playing soccer now is, Fundamentally sound, everybody doing their job, everybody get to their position, correct form, and everybody do what they're supposed to do. Very vanilla, but very effective. Now, if you could blend the two, oof, maybe we could be talking about a new Joga Bonito. But until then, I'm not saying Brazil can't win. They have too much talent to not win, but they just need to figure out, do they want to play and look good and lose? Or do they want to play and to them be vanilla and win? Now, switching gears, this is the first time I'm talking about a topic like this. Let's talk about some music, y'all. Um, Nas, Nasir Jones, has released his 11th solo album. Now, I say solo because he's had compilations. He's had albums where he's... Uh, you know, been with other people on albums, but this is his 11th solo studio album entitled Nasir. Now, my thoughts on the album, if you're a Nas fan, a fan of hip-hop, a fan of rap in any way, you know, Nas was talking that talk, talking about experiences that he had, kicking the phlegm on the street, you know, smoking blunts and all that. But this album, oof, this was smooth, Grown man rap. That's what it felt like. You know, real soulful and smooth. And it just felt like if you hear his first album and you hear this album, you're like, is this the same dude? You know? I mean, no drug dealing in the it, it, it talk like this is what I'm doing and glorifying it. No youthful, carefree rap. This was this was lyrical content as usual from him. But he was talking about a lot in this album making references politically, socially, economically, and from a father's perspective, too. I mean, he's not rapping about setbacks and getting locked up by doing the wrong thing. He's celebrating how good life is now, what we should be doing with our money. Instead of showing it off, he's talking about taking vacations in the south of France. He's talking about eating spice rigatini and drinking Red Bordeaux. Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, you can tell it, it, he, he's gone from kicking the phlegm on the street, drinking 40s. He's more so talking about taking vacations in the south of France after his tour. You know? I mean, it was just smooth and soulful. I mean, the, look, when you talk about smooth and soulful, you got to talk about the production. And the producer or one of the producers on the album was one and only Mr. Kanye West. 
And I will say, the beats were powerful. I mean, they were original. They were crisp. I felt like the beats brought a life to Nas's lyrics. Like the beat wrapped around the lyric to make the song so powerful together, you know? I mean, that when you hear the album, each song had its own individual sound and was so dynamic and different, not sounding like anything on the radio now. That's what I liked about it. One of the things I liked about the best, well, it doesn't sound like anything. It's completely from scratch, built up, it's so creative in that way. And hate him or love him, I mean, I know Kanye's been very controversial with a lot of topics that he's been addressing and a lot of things that he's talked about. But when it comes to this music thing, that boy is great. Not good, great. He is extremely talented at music. Now, the last thing that I had talked about earlier in my rundown I wanted to uh, express some opinion on was the fact that Puma, yes, Puma, has hired Jay-Z as president of basketball operations. Now, Jay is no stranger to the sports world. I mean, in 2003, he had a Reebok collection called the S. Carter Collection. He was part owner of the Brooklyn Nets until he opened up the Rock Nation Sports Agency. And due to a conflict of interest, he had to sell his 1% share in the Nets still. And for all my gamers out there, he was executive producer on NBA 2K13. That I didn't even know. And I mean, Jay-Z, as president of operations for Puma, he is making, I'm sorry, he's president of basketball operations. I don't want to misquote what his title is. But Jay-Z's making moves already. I mean, he's signing former Duke star standout and projected lottery pick Marvin Bagley. And he's also signed projected number one overall pick DeAndre Eight in the shoe deals. That's pretty impressive. Now, when you sit there and say Puma, Where's Puma? Who's, wasn't that that shoe brand that came out like way, way back in the day? I mean, isn't it all about Adidas and Nike and and, and the Yeezys and, and Under Armour and Reebok and sneakers like that? But hey, this is why you come to the Man Cave Huddle. See, I give you this information. I did some research. This is the information that I'm giving to you. Puma in 2017 had a net income of 135 million euros, right? That was last year, 130, that was net income last year. Now the sponsorships, check out who these guys sponsor. The national soccer teams that these guys sponsor, they sponsor Italy, Serbia, Switzerland, Austria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Ghana, Senegal, and Uruguay. I mean, hold on, let me count. I'm counting one, two, three, four. That's four teams in this current World Cup that are sponsored by Puma. And some a couple of those teams have actually won, right? Now, singers slash rappers, The Weeknd and Big Sean are brand ambassadors having their own collection in Puma. And this... I mean, I was flabbergasted when I saw this. Not to, not that I thought that was unbelievable or it couldn't happen. I just didn't know it, it existed. In 2014, I had no idea that Rihanna was named, yes, Rihanna as an umbrella, Ella, Ella, Ella. Rihanna was named creative director of Puma 
overseeing direction the direction of the women's wear line. I mean, wow, man, Puma's really, really, really making moves. I guess trying to stick their foot in American soil and hiring Jay Z as the president of basketball operations. And I mean, if Bagley and Aiton, either one of those guys, really show up and show out, Puma might be one of those sneakers where it might be luck. Did you get the new Adidas? Nah, man. You get the new Pumas? Did you get the new Bagleys? You better bag you some Bagleys. You better not disrespect yourself and get you some DeAndre hey, Aitons. But anyway, um, once again, I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to just listen to me express and just talk out loud to myself. Um, I, it means a lot to me. And in doing so, as I do with every episode, I want to leave you with a positive quote. And in today's positive quotes, really four, four little uh, maxims that I want to leave you with. Patience with family is love. Patience with others is respect. Patience with self is confidence. And patience with God is faith. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.